This podcast is brought to you by Balls of the E in association with Carry Out Off Licence, Ireland's number one independent off licence. Very welcome to the Brent Pope Rugby World Cup show on Balls.e in association with Carry Out Off Licence. Brent isn't with us in studio today, that's because he's in Japan, which is where the World Cup is happening, so no better place to be, Brent. No, Kanichiwa, no, it's, uh, it's, it's been fantastic, uh, to be honest. I reservations, uh, I guess, like everybody coming out, uh, whether or not, you know, I applauded the decision last time of maybe going to Japan, of trying to, I suppose, you know, uh, educate or get rugby get started in, 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 in other countries where it wasn't the national sport. But I had reservations about, you know, what sort of job would they do uh, around a rugby uh, a World Cup? And uh, they've done a fantastic job, I'd have to say. I mean, you know, the people really warmed to it. The Japanese people are making it. They're so polite. They're into their rugby. They're down buying jerseys. They're supporting... You saw even the games today, even the minnows or whatever, getting full crowds. And, and so they've done a wonderful job about drumming up the business of rugby. Yes, okay, you'd have to admit that you're walking around Tokyo and, you know, it, 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 it hasn't caught the imagination like a World Cup would if it was a football or the Olympics would uh, that everybody's involved. But, I mean, there are pockets of, of, uh, of great support. And, I mean, you know, when you're on a train or whatever like that, there's people coming up and wishing the Irish the best or wishing the All Blacks the best. And so it's, uh, they've done a fantastic job. And I just think it's, it's going to grow the game in this country and it's going to grow the game in, in other countries that, you know, like the Uruguay, the great win yesterday, got upset mm. against Fiji. Those are the things. Was, in fact, the Minnows, the Minnows have done a lot better in the first week than I thought. I mean, when you looked at when they came in for those sorts of results, like the last time I think Fiji and Uruguay played, I think Fiji won by nearly 70 points. What a turnaround that was. Tonga was nearly beaten by 100 points by the All Blacks recently, and they turned that around and got a somewhat a mole victory, I suppose, even though they were, were, were beaten by England. You know, I suppose 35-3 or whatever that scoreline wasn't, wasn't the scoreline many were expecting. Other teams have scored great tries. You know, some of the minnows have scored the first tries in the match. You know, you're looking at performances from Georgia and especially Uruguay. So that makes a World Cup. Yeah. But, uh, but, I, but I'm loving it. You know, like, I mean, we, we were out last night. We met a few uh, ex-Welsh internationals up the round. There's a lot of ex-internationals buzzing around talking about the rugby. You know, what are the Wales chances? What are Ireland chances? What are the All Blacks? You know, so there's a lot of good rugby talk and uh, really enjoying it. Good stuff. And is is you mentioned about growing the game there? Like, I'd be interested if you know you're like it's capturing the imagination, obviously in the areas and around the towns. And we've seen it; it's kind of going mm. in more provincial places during the week as well, which is great. But do you sense that there's kind of enough of an impact there on a national scale that people will kind of go and say, you know what, I'm going to go and join the rugby team? Like, does I suppose my question is, does it depend on? Japan putting in a big performance, if not against Ireland, then against Scotland or Samoa, and having a yeah. bit of a tournament uh, themselves. I think it does. I think it does. You know, people are just sort of, you get the feeling people are teetering on the edge. Now, they they love going to the matches, and there's this huge, there's been huge crowds of sort of party atmosphere that the Japanese are going and saying, this is, this is great fun, you know. But I think you're right, and I think that's going to play a lot into uh, to how Japan perform. And... <laughs> It's hard to know. It's hard to know what Jamie Joseph does for this uh, game because 
you know, meeting him before last year's Six Nations opener against uh, against England, where of course he possibly changed his tune about what team they were going to go after. That was rechanged again after Ireland beat Scotland. But after that match against England, there were sort of indications that okay, he would look at it like this: that you know, he would let the he would let the kind of the favourites go to a certain degree, and then really tee it up to to qualify in the runners-up group. So how does he see this match? I think, you know, look, okay, the host nation, we're a proud nation of people. We're going to go out and give it everything we've got for, for 40 minutes. If they're still in touch with Ireland and the humidity, and we'll talk about it later, the humidity of the heat that's predicted for Saturday could play into that as well. If they're still in touch with Ireland, they may continue on and say, look, you know, let's, let's go for an upset now. We're close. You know, it's only a try in it or a couple of penalties and we're still in touch like against South Africa. I just think that if Ireland have a cushion uh, by halftime, then Japan may look at that a lot differently and say, OK, well, we don't have the strength and depth that Ireland have. We probably don't have the strength that, that Scotland have at the end of the day. But I would think if it comes down to that one match in Scotland and in Japan against Scotland, then, then and the way Scotland played the other the other night, I think that Japan could win that match. And that would then set up their dream ticket their dream ticket over here is they have a love affair with New Zealand rugby because mm. all the All Blacks are, 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 are heroes, you know, going right back to the days where they used to come over and play their club rugby in Japan. Japan still favour the best players in the world, and that would be arguably over the last, you know, of course, over the last, um, well, the history of rugby has been <laughs> All Blacks. So, so they, they go over there uh, and play their club rugby. They're on posters, they're on chip packets over here. You know, Dan Carter, Richard McCall, these guys are, are kind of uh, are celebrities over here. So their dream ticket, their dream ticket is a quarterfinal in Tokyo against the All Blacks. For Japan, for Japanese rugby, that would be a fantastic occasion, a fantastic game. So to get there, it really means, it really means, yes, they're going to have to, to, to win their, their, their banker game again against the Samoans. They've also, you know, they've already beaten the Russians at the bonus point. So then it's really knocking Scotland over. And, you know, how do you approach that? I mean, I think, you know, Jamie's got to also, you know, he's an emotional guy and he's played for Japan as well. And he, he speaks to Japanese and he's well respected here and that. So he wants his team to perform. But does he risk his key players into the second half when maybe Ireland have got 10 points ahead or whatever? I would suggest that he possibly wouldn't. Mm. But having said that, if they're still in touch and they are allowed to play that kind of unstructured offloading uh, game that they play, that they the, the way they play, and it's humid and it's hot, and the Japanese are used to that, then they could well still be in touch at half time. So I think that's why Joe has selected the team that he has and he's kept the, the pack large down trains. I know Jack Conan was a late uh, 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 withdrawal and, and, and Peter Amani came in, but I mean, it's more or less the starting pack that, was, that he was going to put out against Scotland as well. So he's given Japan respect. Uh, and rightly so, and he said, "Okay, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put out a, a weak inside. I'm going to try to get the job done in week two, so that they know they, they're assured of qualification." I think they are now. I think we all mm. realise that. But you know, you, you still, you still wouldn't want to slip up against Japan. So he's picked a strong pack, and uh, then you know, the likes of Rob Carney, Keith Earls come back from injury. Chris Farrell, who came on and, and had a, a sensational game when he came on um, last week, has been rewarded. Uh, but so it's a strong Irish side, but um, but it'll be I think it'll be closer than what people think. I still expect Ireland to to run out winners in the second half and 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 pull away. But but 
But yeah, all the talk over here has been talking to a number of ex-internationals that are floating around the uh, uh, ex-All Blacks and, and, and players that are around has been Ireland's uh, defensive game, which I think uh, was really, really strong uh, last week. And we saw it uh, against Wales. I started to see that that defensive game that they had in 2018 uh, had come back a, a, against Wales in the last match of the Viva. But it was really at the forefront of the, of the win against Scotland. Scotland yeah. didn't really have anywhere to anywhere to go. Like they shut down of you know Josh and and Lord uh, here from turning around that defensive Irish during game against England, where they were where their defensive made a lot of defensive mistakes. You know, taking into account they were leg tired and everything and that, but they still made basic mistakes. That was really. Uh, shored up last week against Scotland because you just mm. got the impression that Scotland had nowhere to go. You know, they just didn't they 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 they, they didn't create any space at all. Um, Japan will play the same way as Scotland, so I think that Ireland will keep the same defensive screen, push up in the Japanese face and get them on the back foot, push them across the field, use the the, the touch line as an extra defender, and I think so. I think they'll cope with that. Uh, pretty well. Yeah, so I was watching the the last ten minutes again of the game, and and Scotland were just going for a consolation try, and Ireland just weren't giving them a sniff. And Stockdale came up for you know came up into the line again. It just looked like they got it all together um, again, and hopefully that kind of that translates when we kind of play stronger teams. You know, starting obviously with South Africa in the quarter final. Brent, though, I wanted to talk to you about the. Um, the atmosphere at the game. There's a few videos going around of a few kind of well-oiled Irish fans who definitely seem to enjoy yeah. themselves. But, um, you know, there's def- there's a decent travelling support over there. You know, it's a long way to go for a Rugby World Cup. But did you sense kind of like, did it feel like a, a World Cup in the stadium on Sunday morning? Sunday Five afternoon, weeks. your time? More, more so. The atmosphere at the games has been incredible. I mean, starting with the All Black match in, in against South Africa, but then... Uh, the Irish, uh, you know, it, 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 it seemed like a home game, though. That was in many green shirts. I mean, because the stadiums are slightly out of out of town, you arrived there about two hours before uh, where the stadium we were. They had a big screen out there like Wimbledon, so people sat up. It was a nice day uh, for, for the best part of it. People sat up and had a few beers and, and, and watched the match. Yes, it started to rain just before but the rain held off. But a real party atmosphere and, I say, a lot of Japanese... Uh, uh, supporting Ireland, uh, obviously they're going to be supporting Ireland this weekend, but supporting them against Scotland, you know, putting on green jerseys. A lot of people, you know, I was sitting next to a guys over from Boston. A lot of people have travelled. A lot of people in the Southern Hemisphere, a lot mm. of Irish based out in Australia or New Zealand or coming out from Hong Kong or coming from the States where it's only a kind of a seven or eight hour uh, flight as opposed to as opposed to Ireland. But huge support, uh, you know, as far as I can see it. Like this game on at, at the weekend, uh, the atmosphere is going to be incredible because Ireland, one of the, the the loved teams over here. You know, people love the Irish. People love the the travelling Irish support. Uh, you know, they they're mixing in with the Japanese and and they love the singing and everything like that. So the the Japanese are really taken to to Ireland because you'd be walking up the street and you have an Irish shirt on and that, and all you know, go, go Ireland or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's it feels like it feels very much like a World Cup at the stadiums. It's just that when you come out of the stadiums, and you know, in a city the size of Tokyo, it's a bit like, I suppose, running a, a rugby World Cup in, in in the states and being in New York or something, expecting everybody like New Zealand to to know what's happening with the games or something. But you can get that in Australia, and you can certainly get that in in other countries as well. You probably get in London. You know, if you're running the World Cup over there, you could probably be in London, and people wouldn't know that there was a rugby match mm. being played 
out in Twickenham. But I think the Japanese, have, it, it, to this date, have, have, done a, have done a fantastic job. But I think there's certain things emerging as far as rugby is concerned. And, you know, I think that the team that's going to win this World Cup has really, I think, got to sort of... Uh, have a few have a few things up their belt. One is is an ability to counter attack uh, from sort of deep in the sense to to get around the defences. Two to have a good defence, and three to have good discipline and a goalkeeper a uh, goalkeeper goal kicker. <laughs> because I think that what it's proving to be is that New Zealand against South Africa was a typical example of that. South Africa probably dominated that match for the first 20 minutes. I don't know if, the, if, if it looked like that way on the television, but that sure. certainly was the case at the match. They dominated physically as we expected that they would. Uh, New Zealand just had that ability, a bit like a snake bite. They just they just came down twice, they scored the points, and then they just shut up shop. Um, and I think if you look at Ireland's performance the other day, you know they just strangled Scotland out of the match with that defence, and then bang, they went down, they got their tries, they were clinical. Uh, they were disciplined and they came back and Scotland really never looked like coming back. The game was over. That, in that regard, in that regard, the atmosphere sort of flattened a bit because the game was over. I think at 19-3, you, you never saw a way back to Scotland. No. Uh, so, I mean, that, that game was over. But I think if you've got those ingredients, which, which Ireland had, then you, can, then, then you can go away. Of course, you know, not getting ahead of ourselves, you know, we, we have Japan uh, on the weekend on Sunday. But, I mean... It's all eyes really to South Africa now and saying the problems there, Mick, would be is that, you know, were Scotland so bad or Ireland so good um, that they may not be tested and it may come against South Africa uh, and then you would learn pretty quickly. So I think Joe would have actually wanted a tougher match and I think that in a regard is, is, is borne out by selection. So what he's really saying I think he's saying, okay, well, let's put that same pack out, which is going to be the core of the pack that faces South Africa. Let's face it. Let's put that pack out again, um, and let's hope that Japan put it up just because I think that they need a tough game. They don't want to walk over the game against Japan. They don't want to walk over a game against Russia and Samoa and then go into that South African game and suddenly find that the intensity after after 20 minutes is too much from the live for. So they need, a, they need a tough hit out, and I think that's played a part in his selection as well to say look okay you know Rory Best got through 80 minutes well he hasn't got through 80 minutes of rugby for a, for a long, long time, time yeah. had, had a great game so what does that say about the game does that say that that he was especially fit and, 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 and in good form which he, which, which he was or does it say that really Scotland didn't really give them the game that they would have expected I think it's a, it's a little bit of both I think that Ireland played well and you can only play what's in front of you um, you know, and that's the cliche. Like Ireland could only do what they could do. Uh, it's just that I thought Scotland were, were were very very poor. I thought they had no. Once they realised that it wasn't working, when they tried their kicking game to, to Lama, that they had that covered. They kept persisting with it. Uh, they made mistakes in key areas. They didn't have a set piece game for some reason. The, the, the defence of the of the rolling ball was to try to take it sideways, in which case it just helped helped Ireland's cause. So. They didn't really. They didn't really have a game plan. I mean, they didn't bring anything to that game. So once yeah. again, my only concern would be, my only nervous state would be that you get in against South Africa. The fact that South Africa lost and are going away now, planning. You know, they're already planning for, for, for Ireland. You know, you can tell. You know, they're talking about Ireland. They they figure they're going to get through 
as the losers now, which is probably going to be right as well. So they're now look teeing up for that quarterfinal match. So that's what we're looking at, really. You know, and that's not being arrogant. That's not saying don't give Japan respect because you know it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be inconceivable that if it's a hot night and they're predicting thirty degrees, that it's a hot night and it's a humid night, and Japan get that sort of quick moving game going then it could be a, a tricky enough assignment. But I don't see it that way. I think that Ireland's defence, I think that their set-piece plays are just too powerful for the Japanese. So I would see a comfortable I'd see a comfortable enough win for, for, for Ireland in, in that regard. Yeah, so it's, it is most likely we're playing South Africa. You were at the All Black South Africa game, and as you did allude to, you know, they in the first 20 minutes it was all South Africa. They could have went, like, you know, mm. if they'd taken a penalty, could have went 6-0 up. It might be, you know... New Zealand probably played for 20 minutes and there's a lot more to come from them but on the South Africa side specifically you know I asked you when we were in here last week is a lot of mm. the hype about South Africa just hype have they yeah. actually shown themselves in kind of like you know as real contenders in any kind of a real setting and I think they probably did on Saturday and I like even though they lost yeah. should Irish fans be a little bit more worried after we've seen them in this kind of real environment now against the best in the world well, yes and no. If we're going, a lot has changed. A lot has changed in the in the, in the last couple of months. These are be you know after the English match or whatever. You wouldn't have said you wouldn't have you wouldn't have given much of an opportunity, much of a chance for Ireland based on the fact that England were just so physical and and, and threw Ireland around like rag dolls. And you think, well, that's what South Africa's going to do, and, and you'd have been worried. A lot has changed, in my opinion, for that. And, and a couple of things, as you know, talking last week, I didn't see what the hype was. I was going on panels and talking with ex-internationals. They were always saying South Africa's the team to beat. They're the form team. I didn't quite see it that way, to be honest. I thought it was a it was a shortened uh, Super Series. Uh, they were going into that. We're going into this World Cup with their form being based on three games against the All Blacks: one, one, lost one, and drawn one. So. I didn't see. I didn't see what everybody was raving about. That suddenly that South Africa had become world beaters in yeah. that one year. So I didn't see that. What I did see that Erasmus has brought the, again a, a better defensive game, an aggressive defensive game, a physicality, um, and a discipline. He's brought all those things, and that may be that may be enough. Remember, they'll be the only team that's ever lost a pool match and gone on to win the World Cup if they do. Uh, progress from that side of it. Um, I just think that the way that the All Blacks played is the way that Joe Schmidt uh, will also set out to play yeah. the, the Springboks. And that's why I kept saying to people out there who didn't believe me, and that's fine. And I said, look, I believe that even going to the game, I said to people, put put on put on the bookies, New Zealand to win by at least 10 points. And people kind of laughed and said, that's not going to be the case. And I said, I think it will, because I think that while South Africa are physically dominant uh, over most teams, when you can live with them in that aspect of it, they're not as creative as other sides. I, th- I think we saw that against the All Blacks. The All Blacks, you know, when Bowden Barrett operating the sort of a system whereby they have two tens playing, that is playing the 15. When they shook up the, the South Africans, the South Africans struggled a bit. Yes, they had uh, Chesman Colby, who was outstanding as their, as their major threat. But I didn't see them create a lot in the midfield and beyond. I saw them, okay, you know, punching in tight and they're a tough side because they're so physical. They play it that way. But I didn't see them create enough in, in that game 
uh, for Joe Schmidt not to suggest that if Ireland play a game very similar to New Zealand, which they can, then they could beat South Africa. Um, I think New Zealand is harder to play against, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a New Zealand, I've been on Ireland nearly 30 years. I'm just thinking that as a coach, the way that I would have looked at it, I said, OK, you don't know what you're going to get with New Zealand, as proved the other night. You don't know what you're going to get. There's so many expected players, they can play it different ways. With, our, with South Africa, you pretty much know what you're going to get. Can you live with the physicality? No, most teams can't. But if Ireland can live with that side of it, I do think they have the creative players uh, there that can that can that can score for deep. And I go back to what I said before. I think that what, what's been established, uh, I think, early on is the World Cup is going to be won with a team that has a really distri- a really strong defensive game. Ireland do, New Zealand do, South Africa do in that Venice, but also a team that can strike has strike players that can strike from deep or create tries out of the kind of usual defensive zones. I mean, being able to score a try sort of from, from, from maybe their own, own half and also keep their discipline and, and have a good goal, uh, goal kicker. I, I just think that it's going to be, it's not going to be the teams that are throwing everything uh, at it creatively. I think defensively, you know, maybe somewhat sadly, defensives have taken over the game of rugby. So teams with strong defences are going to go uh, uh, pretty far in this tournament. I think Ireland have as good a defensive strategies or plans as, as any team. Did you um, did you think much of the New Zealand performance? So obviously they did kind of what you said they were going to do, but they played in bursts uh, and they did win the game comfortably on the scoreboard at the end. We talked last week about kind of, you know, Sonny Bill not being in, the, the Barrett at 15 experiment, mm. different things like that that they're looking I think, you know, I suppose a team that's won two World Cups are probably looking to just shake it up and try something new. Were you impressed by what you saw? I think it was the first time that we saw what they're trying to do. I yeah. think that I think that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I mean, Bowden Barrett is such an electric player. So let's take that out of the equation for a moment and say, where should he be playing? My belief still is that he's more dangerous at our half. But I see what they're trying to do. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to effectively play with two out of... Yes, Barrett has got 15 on his back. And yes, he's in the he's in the back three. But when it becomes second or third phase, phase play, he really effectively moves up to that role of sort of a roving out half. And if you look at a lot of their attacks last week, they were created by the fact that Moranga may be tied up in a ruck or, or making a break. Suddenly, the ball comes out, out the other way and it's Barrett who's in that kind of out half position that he's comfortable with. So I get what they're trying to do. It's not easy to do, but they're effectively playing with, I suppose, two roving out halves, although one player has 10 on his back and one has 15. But Barrett, Barrett is one of the quickest players out there and his, his ability, a bit like Colby for South Africa, his ability to beat the first up defence, especially in mismatches, is a lot of, of New Zealand's play. Um, they struggled, but they struggled for, for, for 20 minutes and South Africa should have really had more points on the board for that dominance than the three points. But that's when I go back to saying, can they create? I don't know that the last time that South Africa had creative centres, somebody that could, a bit like Brian O'Driscoll that could make a break from 50 or 60 metres out or whatever and set the game alight. I don't know whether they have those sorts of players. I think that in the likes of Barrett, uh, Chisholm Colby from South Africa, these other players, you know, that can, that can suddenly break the game open. 
Uh, and that's when I talked about teams having good defences because you've also got to have that ability to to bang, score, and then go back at half-time, sit back on your defence then and play in, in, in periods of, of 10 or 15 minutes of blocks. Most teams play in blocks, of timing blocks. So they say, look, OK, we've just scored. Let's not give away another stupid score now. Let's see the next 10 minutes out. Don't let them score or whatever. Get back in the ascendancy. So that's the way they play it. And when you have a team like the All Blacks who can be struggling and then bang, suddenly take the wind out of an opposition sails by scoring, what, you know, two tries in, in, in five minutes, you know. Um, yeah. So, so they're, hard, they're, they're hard to play. Do I think that do I think that they've necessarily got their selections right? Um, no, I think that Kieran Reid is struggling uh, a little bit, you know, given his age and mm. I suppose, the, you know, that that's, that's hard ground. He's struggling a bit. Ardi Savia uh, is a brilliant player and a prospect. So I don't know whether they've got quite their loose forward trio that they would have had in other years. If you think that New Zealand rugby really dominated their loose forwards, you know, Richie McCaw before them, players like Cronfield, players like Michael Jones. I don't know whether they have those sorts of players in, in, in up front. They may need Vitalik back, whether he comes back or not. Um, yeah, they'll be pretty happy with where they're going. I, I don't think they'll be jumping for joy just yet, and they've got to earn the right to go past the quarterfinal like anybody else. And I mean, then that puts them on to potentially England's side of the draw, and they would find England's power like they find South Africa's power tough. But I suppose if you're looking at, if you can only go on first weekend yeah. performances, then you've got New Zealand, New Zealand and Ireland uh, head and head as the most impressive performers to go through. You know, Australia, the other teams got back on track. Australia started a bit, weren't particularly impressive. Mm-hmm. England in patches again, uh, good in patches, but really didn't kick on as well. So I know they're talking up a, a game and Eddie Jones is delighted with the attitude, but I didn't think, I didn't think they were overly impressive. Uh, so we'll know more. We'll know more this week. And yeah. Into, 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 into two, tier two. You know, when, so. when some of the other teams, kind of the bigger, you know, Ireland, yeah. Scotland, New Zealand, South Africa, really the only ones with a full test so far under their belts. But just wanted to touch on one point about Ireland, going back to what you're saying about New Zealand and, you know, a similar yeah. style in a way. But, you know, it's almost like Barrett being you know, brought forward in, in phase as almost a second out half. And I, I was looking at some of the stats from the Ireland game and I was actually really taking it back because it was just the passing stats and the two out halves or the two scrum halves obviously were miles ahead of everybody else. Then the next most passes for Ireland, I think with like eight, was Rory Best. Johnny Sexton had four passes in the whole game. I don't remember him particularly kicking the letter off the ball either. And I'm just like, are Ireland... No. Ireland are playing, we, we know, this is what Warren Gatlin was talking about, off nine, off nine, off nine, and it's the way we play and it's successful. But are we inventive enough in attack? We're, like, we're basically got to the stage where we're not using our out half almost at all. No, there were slightly concerning uh, stats, I'd have to admit, but I think that if you've got to, if you look at the, those stats will change this week. If you look at, Look, a team is stupid and a coach is stupid not to not to nail home where you have the advantage. And it's sure, pretty yeah. clear by the close range try by the close range tries uh, where that advantage was. And you've only got to look at, for instance, CJ Sanders carrying over the last two games against Wales and then uh, against Scotland. He's making more meters than he probably did all last season in a, in a couple of games. Mm. So there's a slight more freedom. There's a slight more freedom with the way that Ireland are playing, and say so that's 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 also indicated by the fact that Rory Best had 80 minutes and still had the energy to keep going when he hasn't another 
and other and another for, for about the last couple of years, and also the fact that he made so many passes. So you've got mm. to say, okay, you know, looking at that. That was is my slight concern because they clearly weren't tested. You're not going to make that many passes against South Africa where you're coming up against you know a, a brick wall. So I just think yes, it's a, a slight concern. But again, again, my worry is is, is, is you know were, were again were Ireland really good, which I think they were, and how much is that due to Scotland being really bad? Yeah, and I think there's an element there's an element of both. So. I want to see, I want to see a tougher examination by Japan. I want to see that Roy Bess actually doesn't make eight or nine offloads or whatever. That he's only back to to one or two, which would be more traditional, um, and also more the more of the passing coming from your out half. But I just think that that was just the way that suddenly Ireland got so much dominance up front. They said, "Well, look, let's keep it tight. Let's strangle the game out of Scotland." And that's the way we're going to do it. We're going to do it by. They were making so many yards. I mean, even Henderson when he burst through that gap in the in the first ten minutes or whatever like that. Yeah, those gaps shouldn't be allowed to happen. You know, at, at, with with two teams that were pretty even, you would have to say, given given their thoughts on it going into that game, like nobody would have nobody would have foreseen that from the you know talking to some of the Scottish guys after the match, they were just their heads were down. They said, we won't beat, we'll be lucky to beat Russia or Samoa on the way that they played. And that, and they're probably right. But, you know, Ireland aren't going to be afforded that space against South Africa or, or even Japan. But it's just whether, do they get that tough? Like, South, let's face it, South Africa have had their tough game, haven't they? You know, they, they, they had the tough game against New Zealand. They came out losers. They're going away and working on that. Ireland haven't had their tough game yet and they may not have it. Until yeah. they face South Africa, and then, and then, it may, it may work against them because they may say, "Hold on, we didn't expect this. We didn't expect this way that South Africa planned." You know, I, I, look, it's it's a hard one to read. But I suppose my question, the way though, that the Irish camp will just read it. Yeah, I suppose my question is: Do like do you like they didn't need it against Scotland again? It's it's exactly what you're saying. Scotland just not providing that kind of opposition. Ireland yeah. played to their strengths, and they don't need to do anything else. I suppose I'm asking like we haven't seen the the Johnny Sexton loop in about a year, yeah. you know, and and there's various sort of things. No. Is there more to Ireland's game when they need it? Can we go through well, you know, ten so. to twelve, thirteen, you know? But technically, it's a, it's, a, it's a good point because the player that brought that onto the field, the two players that brought on that onto the field uh, was, uh, was Jack Carty when he came on, yeah. who looked that type of player. Um, and the player that surprised me the most was actually uh, Chris Farrell because, you know, he put up one of those passes behind his back. Now, he wouldn't have done that in, in, in the last five years from what I've seen him. Yeah. So there's, a, there's an element of what, you, what you've seen. Like, I mean, somebody said, oh, look at, look at Farrell's hands. You know they're brilliant, and I said, but I mean that has been that has been one of his problem areas is that is that he hasn't been seen as a, as a super distributor. You know he's a big, strong, physical player, and that's why he's going on this World Cup. Uh, but you know he was offloading he was offloading more last week than we've seen him you know for a couple of seasons. But again, that was because Scotland weren't really putting any pressure on him. Yeah. So. Uh, it's a good point to make. It's a good point to make that, you know, by his very age and his nature of his injuries, Johnny Sexton possibly isn't going to be that creative type of player. So where's it going to come from? Um, you know, I, su- I suggest it's got to come from one of the other players. I mean, you know, this, this, I think the sooner we get Robbie Hinchall back based on the way he played against Wales, uh, he gives he gives that ability to, 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 to break out. 
course, we all know what you know what Stocktail and these guys can do. Uh, you know, if they get a bit of space, but it's it's it's, it's as you say, you know, do Ireland have the creative game um, to, to 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 do that? I think they do. Like, I do. I do think that. I do think again. I don't want to keep down over my point, but I do think again that you know, defensively strong sides are going to go a long way in this tournament. They could go to the extent that they that they might actually win it. Mm. And I think if you've got that, and you've got a couple of key players, you've got a couple of key players that can rip a game open. Um, and I think Ireland still have that. You know. It uh, doesn't necessarily have to be Johnny Six. I don't think he's going to be that player anymore. But I think he can manage. Like, I think he can manage field position well. I think he can put players into into gaps. But you're right. We haven't seen the traditional loop around because he's not the same game line player he was. Sure. Yeah. Years ago. He's yeah. not. He's not because he's sitting a bit deeper. That's because teams are targeting him. You can guarantee that South African are going to target. They're going to target Ireland. You see, Ireland struggle a little bit. Where they might struggle a little bit with Japan, Ireland struggle a little bit when they have when they play against traditional teams that would have, say, a big loose board that was a big, big ball carry and will carry down that nine ten channel. You know, Vunapola, uh, the uh, Japanese have a, have, have a big strong ball carry that number eight. They struggle a bit with that pattern of play. They didn't struggle with that against Scotland because they knew that, and even against Wales because they knew that the Welsh back row, the Scottish back row didn't possess those players so they could move off those and say, look, we don't have to, we don't have to fill that gap. Um, you know, Johnny can maybe sit a, a little bit deeper because we're not, that's not a threat. Uh, when other sides have those types of players, then it suddenly becomes a little bit more of a threat to get over the game. Now, you get in behind Ireland like any teams and, and it, you struggle to, 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 I suppose, readdress it defensively. But, no, Johnny. Johnny sits slightly deeper than he has in, in other years because teams target him defensively. You know, they try to put him off his game. But Carty looked very good when he came on. He 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 looked that type of player that that could shake up things did, in, in yeah. that role. And even against South Africa, you know, he might be he might be someone that comes on sooner than you think. Or Joey Carberry, one of those two players that can change the game. Um, so you could absolutely see that happening. Um, I just don't think. Uh, defensively is strong. Johnny's still pretty good defensively. Sure. Um, but um, so you wouldn't start. I don't think you'd start with those players against South Africa. But you may you may introduce them off the bench if the Ireland fell behind and you needed to create. Because I say the blueprint for beating South Africa is the way New Zealand played. That's the blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, and and also just I want to clarify for the record, I'm definitely not writing off Johnny Sexton. <laughs> I, I'm not. Oh, that, no, I'm not that stupid. You're, oh, you're yeah. certainly not. No, you're right. You, 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 and you're right to say it because I mean, you know, it's, it, people have noticed it. People have said to me over here, but he's not the same threat he was four or five years ago. Mm. And you'd have to agree, but he's a different kind of threat. You know, like he's a threat in the sense that he manages the game so well. You yeah. can't throw out a, a player. You can't throw out a player in a World Cup that may have all these X factor attributes, and yeah. then say, "Well, look, he 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 lost the game." So Johnny Sexton up there with Bowden Barrett. Well, as far as our halves are concerned, Johnny Sexton and Owen Farrell, and to a lesser extent Dan Bigger, are probably are probably the the best players to manage a game or to manage a win, and that might be all all it takes. You're not going after a series here; you're just going after one win. So. Yeah. You know, Johnny Sexton is a good is a good ball manager, as is Owen Farrell. He puts the islands in the right positions on the field. 
And that may be enough. That may be enough to get you into position. And then if you're chasing a game or or you're wanting to bring that creative players, then you start looking at at different patterns of involving different types of players or different types of plays. You know, Bundyaki is another player that can, you know, add that can break a line and get into space and, 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 and that, you know, but the problem with Bundy, I suppose, is slightly the problem with Chris Farrell is while they're physical and strong, it's the, it's the next stage that New Zealand able to link up, you know, when they make the break at say 40 meter line or whatever, it's, it's, it's the passes. It's the two or three passes after that. Um, sometimes Ireland just, fall off a bit short in that sense of not being quite clinical enough at times. Yeah. It's what haunted them probably, you know, over the last year was that, you know, they got into sky scoring positions and they didn't take them. But, um, but yeah, no, absolutely. You make it, you make a really valid point. And I mean, it's not, <laughs> people have certainly picked it up over yeah. here from, from other countries where they've said, you know, they don't regard sex as the same threat anymore. And, you know, you, 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 you can't, that's, that's the way that they see it. I think you're right, though. His brain is the biggest threat uh, nearly in everything. Absolutely. Yeah, more than his physicality, physical play. Um, we will see Carty this weekend, though. Um, uh, Farrell is going to get another go as well, which I think people are pleased about after his performance. Yeah. And it'll be good to see Carney and Earls back in. I think that the two boys did so well at the weekend. You can't even be guaranteed that this is there. There's certain starters for the quarterfinals after the performances of Conway and Larmer. Um, Jack Conan as well had a really, really good game. So those, those changes are all interesting. How do you see it going then? Um, you said Ireland you think will be comfortable enough. Will we see a different yeah. kind of display? No, I think I think the display I think the display by the selection by the selection would indicate to me the display is going to be exactly the same right. because I mean you know when you're sitting out there with your wife or Joe Smith sitting out there and saying okay you know where do, where do Japan pose a threat you would say it's not rocket science to suggest that if you and I were sitting there and say well okay you know they're not going to have a particularly lot of height in the line out so they're not a real threat for there scrums aren't as dominant in this World Cup it seems to be that. In other years, so you'd say, well, look, okay, you know, we, we, we can out we can out scrum them. So those two things are strong. They won't have as good a mauling game or anything. So they won't have as good a tight game as Ireland. So Ireland say the same as against Scotland. Okay, right. Well, we dominate them up front for a start. That's reflected in a strong pack. Uh, we carry hard and we carry physically. And we get them behind the Japanese and we just don't let them play off the cup unstructured rugby because you saw you saw that. Yeah, Here's a lesser, here's a lesser lesson to the Fiji. You saw the Fijians create so many scoring opportunities uh, yesterday against Uruguay, uh, but the last pass or you know something went to ground and suddenly Uruguay grew into the game and said, "Hold on, if we just defend well here and we play and we shut them down, then it'll make it very hard for them." Japan can only really play it one way against the top teams. I'm not suggesting that's the way they play against the lesser teams. They may play against differently in Scotland. But why for for Japan to have any chance of beating Ireland? I would suggest I would suggest that it's not a tight game. I would suggest it's trying to find the spaces on the outside, um, and I suggest that Ireland's defence pattern is too strong to give them any space. So I think that there'll be a lot of lateral running, and there'll be a lot of huff and puff from the Japanese, and they'll throw everything into it. I just think that a bit like Scotland, that Ireland will strangle them up front get down there two or three times in the first half, you know, uh, get a couple of close-range tries and then be comfortable enough at halftime. That's the way I would think mm. it's possibly going to go. Um, and then I think that if Japan then 
decide that they're not really in it and Jamie Joseph starts to make a few changes thinking, okay, well, I'm going to need my key guys for that match against Scotland. What am I going to risk my best players for in a game that's already got past it? Then it could be it could be more dominant Irish win in the second half. But Japan to stay in there, you know, for the for the first part of the first half anyway. But Ireland, I think, to get that cushion and then and then move away reasonably comfortably in the second half. And you know that would be expected. I mean, Joe Schmidt would expect that. Yeah. You know, he, 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 it'll be a major upset if Japan beat Ireland. <laughs> sure. You know, it, 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 it could happen, of course. It could happen. It happened in South Africa at the last World Cup, but do I see it happening? No, I, I, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Um, but um, well, we look forward to. Yeah, it. I hope. I hope you enjoy the game as well, um, being there. And I think you'll be back in in studio with us next week. So bring us back something nice yeah, from Japan. Good. I mean, you know, we can we can talk more about you know because it's really interesting. The thing I'm finding interesting is. You're out, you're out walking around, and you do run into different people from different countries, and they all have a different view about about the strengths or the weaknesses of Irish rugby. And you get people saying, "Oh, well, look, you know, we don't think Ireland are, are the full are the full uh, goods yet, and that was such a bad Scottish performance." You get other people saying, "Well, you know, Ireland have really, you know, really come here to play, and they now they're now establishing themselves as as, as one of the favourites." But it's all coming down to the. It's all coming down to that South African game. That's what it, because I think what I've always thought, as you know from last week, that if Ireland can get through that game, then they can definitely make a final. Because then you've got to start thinking, okay, we've beaten one of the top two so-called form teams. We could certainly, we could certainly, if we kept that momentum going, beat you know, beat Australia or Wales in a semi-final. Then suddenly you're in a final. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's getting over that quarter-final game, which looked, which looked really achievable. Two years ago, whatever, a year ago, so when the draw came out, you thought, okay, well, that's good. You know, avoid New Zealand or whatever, and and we can we can account for South Africa, and then suddenly we're into unknown bonus chart territory, and it could well be, you know, Australia or, or Wales. So they get over that, which I believe they can, then they can get to a final. So there's real excitement. Yeah, and, for uh, sure, yeah. To, to look forward to. But anyway, look, I shall go down with my chopsticks now and have my... Uh, have my rice and noodles or whatever and get into my kimono <laughs> and, uh, and and watch the English match. So uh, Enjoy. So great. So, and look, bring us back something nice. Bring you back something nice, yeah. I'll bring it, you know. <laughs> that thing is pretty expensive. It's pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> went for, we went out for a meal last night and it's about, uh, it's about, um, I was about to, well, uh, in the in the first place, we went to a, a, a pint was a, a glass a glass of beer was uh, thirteen euros. Um, wow. So okay. It, 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 it's it's uh, yeah. So it's pretty expensive. So uh, you know, people that are coming over, uh, you know, you've got to be prepared to uh, to, to pay a few bob for eating and drinking, especially. But um, but uh, look, people always find a cheap way around these things, you know. But I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to get back to the gear there. So there's a lot of Japanese going in. And, and supporting supporting Ireland, the buying up the green jerseys, and that obviously not for this week because it's host nation. But um, yeah, you just want a good. Let, let, let's hope for a good game. Absolutely, you know, for both, from both nations. Absolutely, we'll we'll be watching on Saturday morning. You'll be there, and we'll chat to you back in the studio next week. Brent, thanks very much. We'll do. Thanks for that.
This podcast is brought to you by Balls of the E in association with Carry Out Off Licence, Ireland's number one independent off licence.